Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Uh, today I have a request from Twitter from uh, Chesty LaBlue. <laughs> Lovely name. Um, so this is a uh, about perfectionism. So Chesty said, I think it's something that will really help your listeners because not every perfectionist understands that they are one. So true. So this is for anyone that um, has perfectionistic tendencies and maybe is struggling with some of those because you might not realize that you are a perfectionist you might just think you have a really high bar and believe in excellence and i think a lot of perfectionists think that like i think because it's a you know a praised skill set in many ways like to be a perfectionist means you probably are pretty anal and like things clean and ordered and you strive um and all of those things in today's society are pretty rewarded um so you might think yeah i'm just kick-ass and i would agree with you unless you are robbing yourself of wellness and happiness and health and presence like and joy in your life by that i mean are you unknowingly running yourself into the ground or are you possibly just robbing yourself of the downtime, the enjoyment, um, and the balance that you ha- you can have in life? Perfectionism is kind of like a helmet you wear through life because it alters your your view of everything. It alters your experience of everything. It alters how you feel, how you behave, and also what you can appreciate, like what you get to actually enjoy in this life. So with that, um, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. And as with all of my episodes, remember, I am a regular person. I don't have any degrees or any specific expertise. This is just my opinion. So take what helps and leave the rest. Part one, the what. You perhaps have an eye for the details or a need for order. Maybe you have an expert level of understanding in XYZ. Maybe you have a desire for cleanliness and aesthetic beauty or an ability to go, go, go and juggle um, that surpasses all of those around you. Maybe you just have a drive um, in your personal and professional life. You're just someone who believes in excellence, someone with impeccable um, taste or an enviable Instagram. Maybe you work out every single day and you only eat a very specific list of foods or you always make sure your hair's did, your nails are done, all your cars washed. You feel a sense of calm and you kind of feel like high when you are in that peak state 
of checking all the fucking boxes on that to-do list. Um, but you do it so consistently that it's like a full-time job. And maybe your pen is even just so. And the paper you write on is just so. Maybe you feel really proud when your schedule is totally booked up. Um, and, I mean, that's a lot of people right now. Just because of the way the world works in a <clears throat> overscheduled society. The flip side of these qualities, I would say these are qualities, um, is it's pretty invisible. It's it's like you'll you'll be like I'm I'm fucking owning this life, and then it doesn't really occur to you that this could be a curse until things don't go right or when you receive criticism, no matter how small. Another way to describe this is your your suffering comes in the form of inflexibility, black and white thinking, a need to control, and an eye for flaws. So like a constant focus on what went wrong versus what went right. And you have maybe a really severe level of harshness with yourself that ends with you feeling like a failure if you misstep even the tiniest bit. Um, and maybe if you misstep the tiniest bit, you feel like you really fucked up. Like no one likes you, that you're not a good person, you're not a good mom, you're not a good wife, you're not a good employee, etc., in other words, there are two sides to your coin, and the, the dark side of your coin is super gnarly, harsh, full of vitriol, <clears throat> intense. So when you swing high, you swing high, but when you swing low, it can be soul-crushing. You also might have a very low tolerance for error in yourself and in others. So if things aren't done right or seen as perfect, you get super upset. And that is because, in part, because the external, for a perfectionist, has become the internal. And that, so if things are good on the outside, we feel good on the inside. But if they are not, then we feel like shit. And that's because we have a perception that we control everything around us. And because of that, a lot of things suck for perfectionists. Like, you might feel like you get stuck stolen by your fixations, like these external measures for, I am good because everything is in its right place. Instead of relaxing and tuning out for the party, you might spend weeks planning and then <clears throat> get pissed off that the glasses are not being used with coasters or some, something like that, or the face painter has terrible skills or whatever it is. So instead of being able to take a nap on the couch, you find yourself going over it again with a lint roller. And this kind of state of being also affects others you love. It can affect others you love in a negative way. Like your habits might make others feel on, or on edge or nervous or afraid of messing up because they know you're never at rest. So it doesn't allow them to be at rest. So it's kind of like being a crack addict all the time. Your brain catastrophizes and overestimates the possibility of bad things happening. You're like hypervigilant. Your body maybe also overreacts to things going wrong. Like they, they might feel like an electric shock when in reality it's actually just pretty small. It's fine. Not that big. Um, and your brain is kind of constantly working. Like you're anticipating, planning, scrutinizing, replaying, uh, taking apart. Was it good? Was it bad? Was it good enough? 
So you're never really unplugged and you're never really savoring or switching to the fuck it position. Like, in my humble opinion, a lot of the good parts of life and I think the balance in life um, comes from spending a, a balanced amount of time in the fuck it setting. Like being okay with messes, being tolerant of errors, being lazy, and allowing for passive non-thinking time. Which brings me to part two, the why. Well, sometimes it's genetic, and sometimes it's because of a lack of control and suffering experienced as a child, um, or an oversensitivity to uh, the unknown, so like intense vulnerability. Um, so if it's something you experienced as a child, it probably drove you to create order for yourself. And that's because perfectionism is sometimes a coping mechanism. It's something to help you deal with anxiety and stress. Um, and it's actually totally unrelated to being perfect. For example, let's say you're a person who really just feels vulnerable all the time. Making things around you feel ordered and clean and perfect is a way to soothe that feeling of powerlessness. So I call habits like these a game of dolls. Like it's a board game, something we play that's custom to us, that takes us out of the pain of everyday life and has our own rules and our own roles and we control everything. So it's like we play these games because we're like, now everything is right because this person loves this person and this person's going to say this. and like. Perfectionists often use making things around them perfect as a way to feel calm and safe. It's kind of like a hobby or an addiction. It's something to focus on when we feel anxious or low or insecure. Because when you are creating an external bar for excellence, something that feels measurable, then we can control it because we can alter it. So it's, let's say it's like, you know, uh, me being okay equals. All of these things in my life looking perfect or having all of these perfect things or executing excellence this equals perfection then x equals me i equal perfection so it's it feels grounding it gives you something to tether your identity to like an equation but it's a really dangerous, unhealthy habit to identify with external bars because what happens is you live and die by them so, for example, if your souffles fall at the party, you feel like a total piece of shit. Like you feel devastated and fixated and you don't have control over your inner compass for yourself. The souffles do. And that's that's a very dangerous thing to have happen to you because it means like if somebody tells you like, I hate you, I chose someone hotter than you, you believe them and your confidence falls with them. For example. If you feel driven to maintain perfection um, in your physical body and let's say you get sick or you break your leg and that alters your ability to maintain your body, then you might feel completely despicable. And that's just the natural other half of needing to be perfect. It means if you're not perfect, then you are a total fuck up. Like there's harshness built into the ideal or the aspiration itself. Also, perfection is impossible. So by default, the bar is always out of reach, just slightly out of reach. 
So your, your whole life is spent in a state of almost there. I'm almost there. If I just had blank, I would be happy. If I just got blank, I would feel at peace. So you're, you're, if you look at your life as just an average of all of the days lived, your average life is lived pursuing and not living up to your measure for what will make you happy. And that's just the sum of what your life is going to be. You're, you're frozen in the pose of chasing. You're striving, but not fully making it. And as soon as you do grab it, it's like out of reach again, because it's incredibly um, temporary and, and impossible to maintain. By default, it's very difficult to, to maintain something that's perfect. And what a miserable life. I mean, it's not easy. It's not enjoyable. I mean, maybe parts of it feel really rewarding, but it's like you're constantly in the state of almost losing it. So I would say right now, scan yourself, just reflect on yourself and your life and ask yourself, is more of my life spent striving or enjoying my fruits? Am I in a state of discomfort when everything is just fine and nothing needs to be achieved? Or am I in a constant state of adding to my list of looking at what else I can strive for? Give you a moment. Whatever your answer, I, if you did, if you do find that you're like a, a constant striver and feeling like unfulfilled by what you have achieved, feel like you might be missing out on a lot of happiness that's ready, readily available to you now with a twist of your perspective. Which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. All right, this is kind of redundant, but the first tool is called gift or curse. I want you to think of this as like a Cosmo quiz for you to take while you listen to this. I want to ask you to ask yourself whether or not your particular level of perfectionism is getting in the way of you living your life more authentically. So here are a couple of questions. Do you procrastinate because it feels too overwhelming to even fathom doing something less than perfect? Do you feel like every failure or criticism is way more important to you than every success? Do you feel that most people in your life fall short of your standards, including yourself? Are you more frustrated with um, life than satisfied with life on average? Are you unable to go with the flow or let others plan things imperfectly? Those are my questions. And they're kind of trick questions because being a perfectionist comes with a lot of gifts. It means you are a tryhard and you likely execute things better than others. However, the point in asking you those questions is are these, all of these gifts have to be kept in check and tempered? Like you have to actually choose which, when your gifts are getting in the way of your life and when they're actually helping. Like you can actually disengage from them, even though they are a part of you. Okay, next tool is called Spy the Goggles. Um, as perfectionists, we have an intense pair of goggles that we are wearing all the time. And 
they warp our view of ourselves and our surroundings. And we forget that we're wearing them. We can't see that they're on our face. And what I want to invite you to do is get tiny moments of perspective just to see around them, see how thick the, the lenses are, and realize your vision is warped. Um, so this is just a, a tip, a way to do that. You can actually recognize how the goggles are altered by looking backwards. So, for example, um, find a uh, something you did that was like, you know, an essay you wrote or something you won an award for or maybe a photo of yourself from a long time ago and remember how you felt in that moment and what your perspective of was in that very moment when that existed. And now look at it from your pers perspective today and see if you have a totally different view. I mean, the goal of this exercise, I'm hoping it works for you. The goal is for you to see like, oh, I was so hard on myself. I was so unhappy with the way I looked, the way I performed, the way I whatever. And now I can see like, I was pretty fucking good. I was, I did a great job. Just, that's a way for you to understand the depth of your goggles. Because often when we look back, we're like, oh, I was so insecure and I, had so, I was so harsh toward myself. And yet, I was killing it. So that's my experiment for you. All right, the next tool is called Fly That Flag. So one of the most helpful things to do on a constant basis is really embrace your perfectionism and just own it. It doesn't mean, uh, you know, you're going to let it run rampant and destroy your moments of joy and levity. But as long as you are aware of who you are and what your habits are, it actually makes it possible for you to choose otherwise, like in the moment. So like, for example, in the moment, let's say you're compulsively cleaning something <clears throat> and it's freaking out your partner or you're by yourself in the kitchen cleaning when everyone's at your house for a party or whatever it is for you to fly that flag you would say like okay i'm a crackhead and i have to stop cleaning like a crackhead like basically take the piss out of your freakness and deliberately choose to act against it but you first got to call yourself out so this is like how you can alter your muscle memory by altering your habitual responses so instead of continuing to be a crackhead you'll be like okay Help me uh, watch television. <laughs> like, the crackhead needs some help. <clears throat> Hope that made sense. All right, next tool is a journal reflection. And it's a prompt for you to journal about. So this is really about recognizing what will make you the happiest. Um, there's a good documentary on Netflix called Happy. And in that documentary, you'll see that a lot of the people who are happy really really fucking happy they just live very simply and they just like they have a clear hierarchy of what is important in their life and it's usually family and it's usually like spending time with people they care about so i want you to reflect in your journal about your level of enjoyment of your life and basically ask yourself am i enjoying my life currently and um when you are reflecting on happiness, I want you to look at what are, what are the moments in your life that have brought the most joy to you. I'm going to guess 
it's moments between you and friends or getting out of your environment, like going on a vacation, travel maybe. So the, the majority of your experiences that bring the most joy to your life are the ones that are the most lasting memories. Like they stay with you for a reason. And they're usually not to do with projects or cleaning, you know, things or whatever other perfectionist thing that perfectionistic um, focal points there are in your life. So what I, why I want you to be aware of what brings you the most joy in your life is so that you can actually alter when your perfectionism is standing in the way of you having more of the mo those moments. Like, for example, if you have a hard time um, being at rest when you're around people you care about, like that's a moment when you can recognize it and then alter your habitual response by just telling yourself like, no, I'm choosing to be present right now because I want more of the joy moments. Um, cause it's true. It's like a busyness habit. Almost it, it can really just take over like an unconscious habit. You can just take over your body and all of a sudden you like kind of, you know, zone out into like perfectionism mode. All right. The next tool, mess muscle reps. Um, because perfectionism often drives us blindly, it's something that, like we can't really see we're doing it and <clears throat> it can loosen its grip if we practice deliberately leaning into the opposite. So leaning into messiness and sloth <laughs> or just tolerating the gray, leaning into imperfection and not having to double, triple check something and not having to, you know, like deliberately forcing yourself to alter the habits of your particular perfectionism can help you broaden and loosen and change your your physical your your mental muscle memory. So I encourage you to build those, do some mess muscle reps. Practice allowing things to be messy and imperfect and just tell yourself like I'm building muscle right now. I'm broadening myself and who I am and my capacities. All right, next tool is called anti-black and white serum. So perfectionists have really difficult time with criticism and any kind of failure. And as soon as there is a feeling of attack to our ego, it's like our brains go haywire in defense mode. So we might go through solving, like gnarly solving mode for why we are right and why the other person is wrong and why they're at fault or why we were correct and why blah, blah, blah. Or we might just go into the like the deep, deep pain of hurt of like, but I tried so hard. I'm a fucking failure. Because these like super dark, you know, it's like I'm either the, the best person in the world or I'm like the worst fucking failure ever. So this is a way to soothe that habit and broaden our capacity. Basically, in that moment, whether you're in the black or the white, recognize I'm I'm going to the poles. I'm in the black. I'm in the white. And take the serum where you welcome the opposite truth. So welcome, open, add openness to this equation. So for example, um, talk yourself into the potential that, it, like, it, let's say you're, you're in the defense mode of like, but I was totally right and they can't be mad. I'm totally right. I'm totally right. The, you would welcome the potential or the, the possibility that you are wrong and assume that that truth exists and then just follow it. Just follow that logic and say like, if I am wrong, what would, 
what does that scenario look like? Visualize it and entertain it. And what happens is you teach yourself how to not exist in those poles, you know, so steadfastly. Like it, it allows you to get a little bit of gray in there and get, get a little bit of openness. You become a little bit more flexible to other perspectives. And the, the truest goal of this is it means things hurt you less because you're like, it, it, it doesn't feel so severe anymore. All right, the next tool is called value scale. So this is a soothing tool and this is helpful to foster as you move through your life and like deliberately lean into gaining more of, you know, this kind of insight. In the moments you're suffering, it's like you're you feeling like that sh- thing should have been better and maybe you're in agony because you messed this one thing up and this thing wasn't the way it should have been. In those moments where you can't let go of a flaw or you can't let go of like, you know, whatever imperfect thing it is, reset your value scale. And this is the type of thing that people will tell you and you'll be like, oh, fuck off. But if you're doing it yourself to help yourself, I find it personally very soothing. So the value scale is like, there are two different kinds. One is the poverty and suffering scale. So imagine if you were able to remove everything from your life and have nothing or lose a person you love, this thing you're suffering based off of would likely mean nothing. You, you would be able to accurately feel how trivial that thing is and how unimportant that thing is. Right now in the suffering, it's really hard to artificially gain access to that truth. So a great way to reacquaint yourself with the truth is just basically visit places um, or people with means below yours or actually volunteer in them. And you can also get a lot of joy from volunteering your time. Selfishly, you'll, you'll feel like a good person. But it's, it's nice to have a grounded perspective of what's important in life and what is real suffering. And it helps you stop attaching so much weight and meaning to stuff that's bullshit. It's like it gives you relief. The first value scale. Second value scale is the end of life scale. So by this, I mean, picture yourself. You're on your deathbed at the end of your life. Will this thing really matter to you? Will you even remember this thing? Probably not. It's really easy to feel all consumed by the bitterness of something that doesn't go your way. However, check in with you at 99 years old. When you look back, I really don't think you will think about this thing or give a fuck about this thing. You'll just be thinking of like, I love when I held my baby, whatever, the first time. All right, next tool is called the five minute rule. So this one is for rumination. Um, If you're a perfectionist, you likely ruminate on every fucking little thing that didn't come out right or you wish you did blank. Um, And you probably worry a lot also anticipating things in the future. And you replay things that didn't meet your standards. So that can drive you insane and can occupy a large majority of your day. So what I want you to do is set a timer for five minutes. And put it on the calendar for a very specific time of day. And worry and ruminate the fuck away. You can just ruminate and ruminate and ruminate and ruminate. And then when that five-minute timer goes off, you're done. And this is the only increment of time you are allowed to do this. So throughout your day, you start to fall back into that habit of worry. Stop and redirect your mind because you are not yet in your worry time. 
that is the rule. You have the five minute increment once a day. It's the only time you're allowed to think about that thing. And then you can lean into it. Um, this five minute rule is also applicable to starting new projects. So let's say um, you are thinking about doing something and that it feels really overwhelming and you like overthink all the supplies you need and you're like, but I have to shop for the supplies. This is, a, you have a five minute rule and then you have to start something. So you can reflect and replay and think about what you want for five minutes. So set the timer. And then when the timer goes off, you have to throw yourself into action toward that thing. Even if you don't have the right supplies, even if what, the work you are doing is something you're going to throw away. Um, and you might be wondering, why is that better to start something I'm going to throw away than not start? Because it alters your your habit long term and it allows you to not procrastinate as much because you're giving yourself visual feedback about your ability to be active. Like when you are active, it removes the illusion of powerlessness. And that just helps you practice also being imperfect and doing things that are imperfect because it's not about um, whether or not you are doing something good or right. It's about moving into action and out of inaction. By default, doing something is better than not doing something, in my opinion, especially if you are a procrastinator. So by taking action and like exercising something, you are learning, you're giving yourself feedback about what it is you're going to do. And when you're in procrastination, it feels paralyzing. It feels painful. And you're, you're not actually helping yourself. You're actually telling yourself, I am not capable. And it, it almost like adds fear, you know, it feeds fear. All right, the next tool <clears throat> is called failure tickets. So imagine we're in like a carnival game center thing. And there are like different game machines and there are pinball machines. There's the claw machines. There's and all those little tickets spit out of the machines. And you can collect a prize with all those tickets. Um, but in this game room, you get the tickets when you fail. So if you fail at something, I want you to start thinking of it as I, I just got new tickets. Look at it as a positive. It's a moment when you are practicing your mess muscles, you're growing new capacity, and quite literally when you are challenged and things hurt and you fall short, it is like you're actually growing new muscles. It's a valuable material in your life. It's the only way you grow. You're, great, you're growing new chambers of capacity. If we didn't have those moments, we would all be children. We would be unevolved and we would be the opposite of excellent. So just as a way to change your brain, um, your brain's reaction to the feeling of failure, say to yourself, I just got more tickets. I'm going to get the biggest prize ever. You're growing in that very moment. Um, and you can go further with that inquiry. Like, what did I just grow? Is, did I just grow the ability to be more receptive? Did I grow the ability to be more confident and relaxed and open? Just scan yourself for the lesson you can redeem with said points. So I hope that is helpful to you guys. And before I close, I wanted to thank my latest sponsors. Marisa, thank you so much. And Ryan, shout out to Ryan, new monthly sponsor. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. And Aline, Aline, thank Aline, new donation, a very big one. Thank you so much. And Jenny. A very big donation from you. Thank you so much. And Timothy, 
another huge donation from you. Jenny, I think you gave me a really big one. I want to thank you doubly. Um, all of you, though, I appreciate you. You really help the show happen. You inspire me. If anyone out there who listens and gets something out of this show, if you have the means, donations help me out a lot. You can head to yaywithme.com and click donate. And if you don't have the means, I totally get it. If you could write a review on iTunes, I would appreciate it. And if you could share it with someone you think it could help, I'd appreciate that as well. In closing, when it comes to perfectionism, <clears throat> yes, it's very often hardwired into who you are. However, altering how it affects you comes down to a choice. A choice to alter your reactions and change your perspective. Just to hone and practice a different way of being. And the reason to do this at all is if you are experiencing any kind of pain. Is this habit or lifestyle causing you unhappiness? If it's not, then keep on doing exactly what you're doing. However, if you find that you are suffering at your own hand or you're not able to actually enjoy the, the actual successes you have in your life, if they don't mean anything to you, you're robbing yourself of peace and self-love and enjoyment. And I would encourage you to hone your mess muscles. Just start leaning into the gray and be wrong more often. And be okay being wrong. Embrace the feeling of discomfort. And that's just how you grow new capacity and you evolve and you get awesomer. And know that you are malleable. It doesn't feel like it at the moment. In the moment, it'll feel like uncomfortable and not good, but that goes away. I mean, you get good at feeling weird, you know? So I hope this helps you and I send you my love and don't forget to smile. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.